In Denny, Mika, Cooter, Patchy, and though sometimes the mobile's scratchy, they ring to talk to Macca on Sunday morning. The boy's been picking pears in Shep. When you're up the ladder, you watch your step. And all hail, Lady Citrus and Lord Nemo. Farmers, farriers, runners, rowers, weekend gardeners with loud leaf blowers. It's sometimes hard to hear on a Sunday morning. Hey, good day, Ian. My name's Lieutenant Commander Michael Doncaster. I'm the Executive Officer of our Naval Base in Darwin, HMAS Coonawarra. Uh, we're down on the Roper River, which is uh, just uh, near a little town called Nooka in a campground called Mumbalilla and we brought a small team of uh, our sailors down along with two guys from the RAF base at Tyndall to do a uh, dawn service yesterday morning in a very small community along the Roper River and I must say uh, it's one of the most moving uh, Anzac Day services that I've ever been to. It was cold which is really good for those of us who are living in the top end because uh, the last six months of the wet season has really not been a wet season, it's been more of a builder. And to come down here and to be cold and to put jumpers on is a bit of a unique experience for most of us, I can tell you. Sometimes less is best, and I'm really glad that the, uh, the thing with the Mahino went on. I've actually been listening to you over the last couple of weeks as the uh, people have been ringing up and telling you about it. And uh, what a great story the Mahino is. And when you think about the sacrifices that were made, particularly by the nurses on the hospital ships and when they went back to Lemnos and all the things that they did, it's a very significant little ceremony to have had. There's Aussies out there doing things, raising money, pulling strings, helping make a place we're really proud of. Launcestonians and Hobartians, and who's to say there isn't Martians beaming up Australia on Sunday mornings? Exactly. It starts my week, Macca, on Sunday mornings. Good morning, wherever you are. Thirteen hundred, seven hundred, triple two. That was Mike. That was two thousand and fifteen. I replay that because it's always interesting. That was uh, Lieutenant Commander Michael Doncaster. He, he's probably not in Darwin anymore at all. He's probably moved on, as you do when you're in the services. But he was. Uh, they went down to Nooka to Roper River. Um, that was the yesterday then, <laughs> but not. I wonder if they're doing that this morning and uh, uh, from the RAF base in Tyndall as well. But they probably go to somewhere. Yeah. All over, people do things on Anzac Day. And welcome to Anzac Day. If you've just got up, good morning, wherever you are. Uh, lots of things this morning. There's been lots of things already. It's nice to be back. Michael Kelly says, um, could I thank two wonderful Australians who have knitted beanies for the seafarers? Sarah Braun from the Atherton Tablelands has knitted 750 beanies and deli- delivers them to Captain David Ferguson, the Cairns Harbour Master, who has distributed them to ships berthing at Weeper and Cairns. Sarah's starting a new project helping sick and trauma children. Daphne Colfax, a resident in a nursing home at Thirlmere, has knitted 75 beanies and knowing that they are going to people in need said it brings her immense joy. Recently, a Greek captain told me in the 1980s as a junior deck officer he was given a beanie for Christmas while birthed in Galveston. He kept the beanie for years and sadly left it in the pocket of a wet weather jacket and never saw it again. He said on receiving a beanie in Sydney, it brought back memories of that beanie he had for so many years and left behind on a ship. He was very emotional, thinking and thanking ladies like Sarah and Daphne. We owe so much to the seafarers, says Michael Kelly. Good on you, Michael. Look, um, it's nice to be back. On the last program, it's always interesting to know what people are doing, isn't it? We're, We're living lives of quiet desperation and people like Giovanni ring. This was Giovanni... On the end of March, just April, have a listen to Giovanni. Hello, Macca. Giovanni, good morning. G'day, Giovanni. It's funny you should mention the Sandgate to Brisbane, the Gladstone Yacht Club, because I'm just opening the gate. 
of the club right now walking through the front door to jump on a boat. What the sailors called a, a stinky boat, which has got a big outboard on it, and going out chasing. You're whiting out off Moreton Bay, off the sandhills of Moreton Bay. If today's a normal day, it's a beautiful day here, we should get a limit of whiting each. After we finish fishing, we go into shallower water, jump in and have a swim in those beautiful clear waters. Then we'll, uh, we'll fill it all the fish out in deeper water. We don't swim there, that's for sure. Yeah. And then um, come in and take a few each, and there'll be a whiting fillets in panko bread, crumbs and egg. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> You're just making us jealous. Hey, uh, I just heard the, the 75, Jim from Kyogle, and the 75 years of Kenworth. Yeah, Brown Amazing. and Hunt. Yep. Wonderful to hear that we make Kenworth. We make something in Australia, but... I'm just thinking next week's my dad's 100th birthday. He didn't make it. He only made it to 80, but he was born in a dinky little town in southern Italy called Morfetta, 1921. There's a memory. Giovanni, what do you do for a living? I'm a lawyer, Macca. I've been, at, I've been at work for a couple of hours already this morning. I go to work often early at five, or, and I get a couple of hours good, quiet work done before the phones start ringing and staff come asking questions and things like that. So on a Saturday morning, I go in um, for a couple of hours, and I... Uh, as I say, I wipe the bottom of the week that's just finished and I wash the face of the week that's about to come. <laughs> are you, um, are so you busy? Your lawyer's busy? Yeah, Mac, in Brisbane, the, the property market's really cranked up and people say, what do you do? What sort of law? And I say, I do what walks through the door law, really. We're just a medium-sized suburban practice on the north side of Brisbane. I uh, grew up on a sugar farm in North Queensland, that's why. And I guess... It comes from Dad. He used to have to go in early to set up for the cane cutters, like pull in the cane trucks and do stuff before they got there at daylight. So he used to go to work at 4, 4.30, and we used to say, Dad, oh, no, how do you do that? And he said, one day you'll understand because, you know, the quiet, the calm, the curlews, <laughs> and now I understand, you know? Yeah. I understand what he was talking about. G'day, this is Macca. Good morning, Maka. It's Lisa, and I'm calling from the very tip of Australia. You're How little... are you this morning? <laughs> I'm okay, Lisa. Tell me all about it. Okay, so I'm sitting here with a crew from Cape York Camping, Punsan Bay. We've just travelled up this morning. Um, we're about 40 minutes um, sort of just a bit away from the tip. Um, so we travelled up here. We got up, we left um, home, we left the camp about 4am. Got up here, and we're sitting here looking at the sign, the Australian flags flying. Um, yeah, so I've got the crew from Punsan Bay, and uh, it's a beautiful morning up here. Uh, a little bit of rain coming, but yeah, it's great. We listen to the service on the radio, and uh, the sun's just about to come up over the water. What a place it's to beautiful. what a place to be, Lisa. You know, and you're just following a great Australian tradition because Aussies always used to go to the tip on Sunday. They did. They did. <laughs> Not this tip, though. So, yeah, Australia's most northern point. Um, we're just sitting on the rocks, um, watching the water scream past us. We've got a big cloud in front of us, but uh, it's a beautiful morning. It's going to be a great day up here. What's your story, Lise? Tell me. Uh, so my story. Um, so my husband and I, we had a little bit of a life change about 18 months ago. Um, and got a great gig caretaking um, the Cape York Camping Country Bay. So, yeah, we help look after um, the Australia's most northern campground, um, restaurant and, and the corrugation bar. Mm. Um, we've got a great team of people around us. Yeah, we're um, sort of in our mid-50s. Kids have all grown up. And um, I was sort of in the welfare field. Paul's a builder. And, um, yeah, we decided we have a bit of a life change and head on up. 
There you go. And uh, it's no looking back, Lisa. No looking back. So, yeah, actually no looking back. We're sort of just looking north towards Papua New Guinea at the moment. <laughs> mm, a lovely place to be. I wish we were all there. Um, lovely. And what, what temp, what's it about temperature? About 20 degrees, 25? Uh, it's probably pushing, yeah, 27, 28 at the moment. It's a slight breeze blowing. And, uh, yeah, as I said, it's a little bit cloudy. We're probably going to get a bit more rain. We've had a fair bit of rain uh, the month of April, but um, no, it's all good. We're looking forward to a, a bumper tourist season and um, our roads sort of should be open in the next sort of six weeks or so. Um, yeah, we're good to go. Well, Lisa, it's lovely to talk to you on this Sanzac Day morning in, in, a, in a special Australian place. Um, I've, not, I've not been to the tip. We've been up, you know, in the Gulf country, but never been to the tip. And I suppose that's a... As Dick Smith would say, if you haven't been in the tip, you're not a real Australian. <laughs> That's true. And certainly there's an invite to come and uh, broadcast from, as I said, Australia's most northern campground, Cape York Camping, Punsan Bay. We'd love to see you up here. Well, at least I don't know. We'd probably get a line out somewhere, wouldn't we? We'd probably get a line out and uh, it'd, it'd work. We could make it work we somehow. Can, we definitely can make it happen. Everything can happen here at Punsan Bay. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good little plug, wasn't it? Yeah, I'll say. All right, good on you. Nice to talk to you, Lise. Have a great day and, and a happy Anzac Day. And just like to put a, put a big shout out to all of the veterans and everyone who served. And uh, thank you. Good on you, Lisa. Okay, thanks, Maka. Bye. On the lines, our girl Friday, Nerida Reese. Good morning, Nerida. Oh, good morning, Ian. So welcome back. Thank you very much. Um, I sound a bit scratchy, don't I? <laughs> oh, no, no. You, you, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> That's uh, good. What, what's happening with you, Nerida? Where are you? You're in, uh, in Sydney, in Summer Hill. Yes, correct. It's uh, 10 degrees this morning. Oh, um, ouch. I, just, I know. Um, I'm just saying our street hill day, Anzac, Anzac service, it was so lovely, Ian. Uh, my neighbour, Neville, he played his clarinet. He played the last post. On the clarinet. Uh, then we held, yeah, on the clarinet, and yeah. then we had a minute silence. Then he played the Reveille, and he followed with a verse of Kipling's recessional on his clarinet as well. Wow. What a lovely thing. And thi- it was so moving. There was only like half a dozen people in the street, but we could also hear the last post being played in the back street. So that was really nice, and we all had a candle. Isn't that nice? It's a real – it's a – it's quite well, not strange. It's 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 a wonderful thing when you think about all little ordinary people, and it in lots of ways it's a celebration of 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 the people who gave their lives. But it's really a celebration of Australia, narrator, in some ways. In in some, I don't know, I can't put my finger on it, but it's it's quite unique and and quite wonderful, you know. And it's uh, uh, and it's and it transcends all the official. Ceremonies. Uh, everybody in their own little way, like in your little daggy street in Summer Hill, and this. Yes. And he's playing. What's who's the bloke who played the clarinet? What's his name? Neville. He, Neville. He's um. He's an elder but sprightly gentleman, of course. <laughs> and I often hear him playing the piano as well. He's very musical. There you go. So, Nerida, that's uh, very brave of you to get. <laughs> Get up this early, <laughs> Ian. I didn't want to, and then I thought, look, oh, I have to get up. I have to go out there and in, and enjoy the morning with them, which I'm so glad I did. Yeah. Um, and he was telling me it was started last year through COVID, and Jane Morrison, James Morrison, yeah. came up with the idea for people to go and stand in their driveways. Yeah, yeah, and play and play whatever, play the 
the bugle exactly. or the clarinet or the bagpipe, even the bagpipes, yeah, so, I suppose. So I'm up and at it now, and I'm happy to be listening back to you on the airwaves, Ian. It's nice to nice to hear your voice, doll. I'll see you see you at work sometime, eh? Okay then, take care, Ian. Good on you, love. Let's well, we forget. Let's we forget exactly. Michael's in McLean, uh, North Coast, New South Wales. Good morning, Michael. G'day, Maka. How are you going? Not bad, mate. Yeah, look, I just actually wanted to um, say how much I enjoyed that interview you did with Eric Bogle. I've been a fan of his for many years, and it brought back a memory for me when my wife and I were living uh, in Ireland for a couple of years, and we were at this little town in the west of Ireland, and I performed that song. Um, and um, it just um, struck me at that time how internationally loved that that particular song the band play waltz and matilda is you know like a there was not a a sound throughout the entire performance and i've done it you know a number of times since in our little band welder's dog but yeah i'll always remember that particular rendition of it you know just the respect that was given it so yeah you you're made of um peter harris's yeah my brother dave we're we're that little band you <laughs> you still you, you, you still um play one of our songs actually periodically which is always appreciated so there you go yeah, yeah now yeah. which song are you talking about are you talking about the band played waltz and matilda or are you talking about the gift of years because the, no, of... the 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 band played waltz and matilda was the one that i performed and oh, right. i did it un, unaccompanied on on that occasion but yeah you couldn't hear a pin drop in the place it was just a great moment yeah yeah um the one i always try to do is is the one i played there before that which is um the gift of years which is um which basically talks about that's what those blokes and ladies who went overseas, especially in the First World War, but all wars and Afghanistan now and Iraq, that's what they give you, you know. They give they give the rest of the people who stay at home the gift of years, um, oh, you know. That's absolutely. What, and that's a that's a wonderful concept for a for a song. But um, yeah, I'm going to talk this morning. I'm going to talk about the, the contribution of ordinary ordinary. Australians, ordinary Americans, they're the ones who went to war, mate. They're the ones that's yeah. not the big shots who went to war. It's the ordinary people who went to war, and they pay the price, and you can see what's being happened. Happen, You know, you send young blokes off to, you know, strange places to live in hell holes, which are really cold, like Afghanistan, and really hot, and uh, they're getting blown up, and, and, and what do you expect? I mean, and... They pay the ultimate price. They pay the ultimate price. They're the ones that come back with all the PTSD and all of that sort of stuff and families ruined, and that's happened forever. In the First Absolutely World War, yeah. it happened forever and ever and ever. And, you know, I can't believe, like, I, I used to catch uh, going to town with my mum, and I've told this story before, and we'd get in the lift in DJs or I don't know where it was, farmers or whatever, and, and there'd be a bloke there with no arm working the lift, you know, and off we and I'd, yeah. and I'd, and he's ends up he's a first world war veteran and that's that's all we could do for him put him in the lift and and give him some sort of half ass pension and and yet they they saved the bloody world if you know what i mean yeah yeah no i do know what you mean and um you know like a, and certainly this morning um you know we were just listening to the last post there before in town and um you know my thoughts are with all of our australian men and women service men and women and and particularly today but um both passed, um, and certainly in our little song, Anzacs at Tenerfield, which you will recall, mm. um, that's what we were dwelling on, but but also serving at the moment, you know, like, um, you know, that we, we do have service men and women actually currently serving, and, and they're the ones that are particularly in my mind at the, at the present. So. 
Yeah, there and and it's it's quite a you know I I just I don't think there's any balance you know in terms of the the sacrifice that ordinary Australians and as I said ordinary Americans have just seen a couple of films um, about you know war in America and how and when you look at all the the blokes that got killed in taking back those islands in the Pacific you know all little ordinary people from middle America all little just farming families from little poor towns. They're the ones that got shot. They're the ones that got killed and blown up, um, yep. not the big shots. And and the the recompense is just way out of kilter. You know, I, yeah. I just and, no. and, and every and every single one of those maca, you know, had a mum or dad or a brother yep. or a sister that was yep. back home here in Australia or wherever they were from around the world. And um, you know, like you know yourself, like um, I'm sure you've had losses in your own life, but like each one of those lives you know, left such a legacy behind of, of sadness and, and sorrow. So, um, yeah, I think also that's that's important to reflect upon the ones that were left behind too. Good on you, Michael. I'm glad yeah, to enjoy you too, Eric. Eric, I haven't yeah. heard from Eric for a while, but maybe he'll call us this morning. Good on you, Mike. Cheers, mate. Bye. See you, mate. Bye. Good morning, Macca. My name is Commander Timothy Markison, and I'm the commanding officer of Australian submarine HMAS Sheehan. Uh, this morning on Anzac Day, I'm in Latrobe, Tasmania, with my shipmates and those from HMAS Armadale, as we honour those who have uh, served and fought for our great nation. There you go, Timothy. Um, nice to talk to you this morning. Um, and you're, uh, and it's a, it's a terrible time for submariners too, isn't it? When you think of what's just recently happened, it is a very terrible time, uh, and we, our, our hearts and minds are with our our brethren in Indonesia as uh, they suffer the loss of uh, one of their crews. Uh, certainly uh, it's something we think about it weighs heavily on all of us, and uh, our thoughts are with them as well on this day. Tell me about uh, um, uh, HMAS, uh, is it Timmy Sheehan? Uh, Teddy Sheehan. Teddy Sheehan, sorry. Absolutely. Uh, this past December, uh, the Victoria Cross, which is our highest honour, was awarded to the only member of the Royal Australian Navy in 120 years of service to Australia. Uh-huh. Uh, it was awarded uh, posthumously uh, to ordinary seaman Edward Sheehan, for his brave, uh, bravery, selflessness, and valor at sea on December 1st, 1942. On that day, his ship, HMAS Armadale, was under attack by Japanese aircraft in open ocean north of Australia, and they'd suffered uh, catastrophic damage, and Edward, uh, known as Teddy, had been wounded himself. Despite that, he manned the uh, ship's gun and continued to fight for his friends and shipmates who were vulnerable in the surrounding water. And yeah, he damaged at least two more aircraft uh, before slipping beneath the waves with the Armadale. And he was he was only 18. Uh-huh. Uh, he grew up in Latrobe, Tasmania. And uh, so today, uh, the officers and crew of uh, the submarine named in his memory, the Sheehan, uh, which I have the honor to command, and uh, the Armadale, which is uh, his namesake ship. Uh, we're both here uh, to celebrate Anzac Day with the veterans, uh, the Sheehan family, and, and the community of Latrobe. Uh, it's a lovely thing. Tim, uh, it's uh, Commander Timothy Markison. Timothy, uh, tell me your story. Tell me where you're from and uh, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, of course, uh, have not. My accent hasn't developed yet. I'm a very uh, new <laughs> Australian, a proud Australian. Uh, I served with the uh, Canadian Armed Forces uh, and was a submarine commander in Canada uh, at the end of a career that spanned 27 years. I joined myself when I was 18 years old, and I, I can only imagine what uh, Teddy Sheehan would have been going through at that age. Um, and after a, a very wonderful career in Canada, uh, I wanted to go back to sea, and I had the opportunity to do that with the Royal Australian Navy. So I applied 
and I uh, was accepted. And uh, I've had the pleasure of serving in submarine to Channel and now in submarine uh, Sheehan. And uh, what a year it's been for Sheehan. And uh, what a wonderful opportunity to come and see Tasmania, uh, which is just a beautiful state. Yeah. Now, Timothy, where would um, Sheehan be uh, based? Where's uh, Teddy Sheehan, HMS uh, Sheehan, uh, based? So HMS Sheehan, along with the uh, other five Collins-class submarines, are based in uh, Garden Island, um, just south of Perth. Uh, So we're all based in Western Australia. And uh, we exercise with the Navy all around Australia, and we deploy uh, to all regions uh, as required by, by the Navy and government. There you go. So you'll have a, a, a great commemoration there in, in La Trobe this morning. Absolutely. Uh, the dawn service was beautiful, and uh, it's, it's such a great honour to be here with the community. They, they're not used to having a ship's crew here with them for, uh, uh, for Anzac Day, and uh, they're so warm and welcoming here, uh, and it's a wonderful visit, that's for sure. I'll say. So where do you go after after today? Uh, you've got a, I suppose you've got a, a resume of things you have to do. Do you go back to um, Rockingham, is it, um, in Western Australia, or do you um, continue on? What do you do? That's right, Naka. Well, we've been, uh, Sheehan has been underway for the last couple of months. We left at the start of February, and uh, we've been exercising with the, uh, the Navy and the Air Force uh, in the Bass Strait and, and local to Tasmania. Um, and so following uh, three months uh, in this area, we're actually going to go back to Rockingham, uh, where we'll give the crew a bit of time to uh, take some leave, and we'll do some training uh, prior to getting underway again later this year. And what's it like for a Canadian uh, and, uh, going, going to sea uh, around Australia, which I suppose is a lot different to uh, being around Canada, and you, there's, there'll be interesting differences? Uh, there, absolutely. The, uh, the Indian Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, and certainly in the Southern Hemisphere, is, uh, is is very different than operating in the North Atlantic, that's for sure. Um, but uh, it, it's such an amazing opportunity that uh, certainly myself and my wife, we're, we're very uh, happy to be able to, to do this in our lives and, and to see this half of the world. Uh, the Australian, uh, our, our Australian friends are warm and welcoming. The culture has so many similarities. It's made it very easy for us to, uh, to become uh, citizens here in Australia, and we, we very much enjoy our time. Uh, tell me, Timothy, quickly. I'm talking to Commander Timothy Markison. He's uh, the boss of HMS uh, Sheehan. What's the complement of Sheehan? How many people? So Sheehan uh, normally sails with 60 personnel, and uh, we we have uh, male and female sailors, and uh, everybody works uh, harmoniously on board. And the Collins class uh, each sail with that number, um, so that we can make sure that our our, our positions are all manned, and that we have people on board that are, are training to be submariners in the future. Uh, you always want to have somebody uh, ready to relieve you so that you can go on to do other things. Yeah, exactly. Is there much call? Do, you, do people, you know, demand to be uh, submariners? Is that, um, or is that something that you, you, um, you've got to encourage people to do? A very interesting. The submarine service is a voluntary service, and not not everybody feels that they're cut out to to work and live in submarines. Uh, so everybody that we have is a volunteer, and we uh, we we have a very good response. Uh, to recruiting and and to people wanting to uh, spend their time in submarines and make a career of that. Mm, there you go. Well, Timothy, it's lovely to talk to you this morning, um, and you're lucky to be in Tassie, a lovely part of the world, and uh, probably a bit cooler this morning, I'd say. It's six degrees this morning, Maka, and uh, <laughs> it, it's cool for sure, but, uh, but uh, we're dressed for it. Yeah, but you'd be used to that coming from Canada. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Maka. Uh, lovely to talk to you, Timothy. Good on you. Good morning, Macca. My name's Libby. Hi, Lib. 
I'm calling from Mount Dandenong in Melbourne, Victoria. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I just wanted to say that I got up this morning to listen to the dawn service on the ABC radio and I was outside and it was dark, it was eerie, it was misty, it was foggy, it was drizzling. And I sat there with my candle and I just made me reflect upon those brave, strong, young gentlemen that how scary it would be to arrive in Gallipoli in a boat and be experiencing all of that. And and I really, it really put me there, even though I'm a lot younger, but yeah, it made me really think of it. Uh, It's well, you just, you've just got to quietly think about it. And as I said, Libby, you just realize they're just ordinary. That's the, the ultimate sacrifice often always in wars seems to me, it doesn't matter whether you're Australians or Americans or whatever, the ultimate sacrifice is paid by ordinary ordinary men and women. Ordinary men yeah. and women, they're the ones that um, have to bear the brunt of it, not just the, the, the front line shell, shell, shelling and all that sort of stuff, but yeah. every, everything that follows the, and, and the things that we value most and cherish are down to all those people, ordinary Australians. They're the ones that get it done and make sure whatever it is in the world, whether it's defending the nation or just getting things done, whatever, and looking after the place, it's ordinary Australians that do that all the time. And that's what I, I suspect you, know, you thought about when you were sitting there in the car. I suppose it was cold too, was it, Lib? Six degrees, <laughs> six degrees, foggy, misty, drizzling. And I couldn't help but just really think about them arriving by boat in the same sort of cold conditions and eeriness and what they did for our country and for New Zealand and for the world. I guess it was amazing. I'll say, I'll say. Anyway, all right, um, Lib. Um, is thank it, you, is, That's a pleasure. Is that the first time you've got up for Anzac Day? or? Uh, no, I did it last year as well uh-huh. um, outside. I live in a very quiet street up on top of a mountain and couldn't see anybody else, but I was out there doing it for those that did it for us. Yeah. Good on you, Lib. That's lovely. Good on you. Thank you for being back on the radio and I listen every Sunday. Thanks, Libby. Good on you. Bye. 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 Uh, Davies, where are you, Davy? Good morning. Um, good morning, Marcus. Um, I'm in just about um, head off to Narendra at the moment. I'm in a truck. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Uh, I'm a truck driver. I'm driving between Melbourne and Brisbane and Sydney and Adelaide and everywhere. Uh-huh. Carrying? Yeah. Carrying furniture. Furniture, there you go. Yep. How long you been doing yep. that, Dave? Uh, I've been doing this about 11 years now. Uh-huh. Yep. And uh, you just picked us up? I uh, went up to um, Brisbane. I left on Tuesday, and um, I've been on the road about four or five days now. So, uh-huh. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm heading back to Melbourne now. And that's where you live, Davey? Yeah, I live in Melbourne, yeah. Mm-hmm. And where are you from originally, Davey? Um, I was born in Western Samoa. Uh-huh. And I moved in New Zealand when I was 19 years old. And I moved up in um, Australia in 1983. And you've been driving a truck most of the time now? Yeah, I've been a truck driver for 27 years now. <laughs> and how is it? Yeah. Uh, it was good. I like it. Yeah, that's the way. And you get out, yeah. and, and you get out and see the world. And you got, you got. Yeah, pat, yeah, you, that's right. I've been in Australia, in every part, everywhere in Australia. You know. And Davey, yeah. you, got, you got family? I got a family. Yeah, I, 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 I I'm, I'm heading off to um, 
uh, from Brisbane last night and I stopped in West Wailong. Yeah. And um, my 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 wife called me this morning about four o'clock and she said, um, my daughters have a twin baby, twin girls. Twins. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So you're, yeah. A, you're a grandfather of twins now. Yeah. I, I have um, 10, um, uh, twin, 10 grandkids now. Well, there you go. I have five, five grand, grand, uh, grandson and five granddaughters. And is you, are you busy with the furniture traveling? I am. I am very busy at the moment. So yeah. I got to head off next week again, and after next week or another week, I'm I'm going. I'm doing this every every week anyway. Oh wow! Well, keep up the yeah. good work. Keep Australia moving, Davey. Good on you. Yeah, thanks, mate. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy. I got the twin born at this stage. This oh, is a special yes. day for us. Congratulations! And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a special day, Anzac Day, and you've got the twins. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember my my twins born on this day. So yeah, exactly. It's a special day for everybody. Good on you, Davy. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thank you. I like your program. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hamish in Corumbin. Morning, Hamish. Good morning, Macca. How are you going? Yeah, not bad, mate. Uh, I've just got uh, in my possession, my aunt has found a letter sent by my great uncle from Gallipoli. And I've always wanted to share it, and I'm hoping this is a chance to. Well, it sounds like it's a chance to. Go for it, Hamish. How's things in Corumbin this morning? Couldn't be better, Macca. Perfect day as usual. Well, of course, Queensland. Perfect one day. Um, uh, Yeah, okay, the letter. And and what? it's your aunt's letter from her... No, this is a letter from my great uncle yeah. to his mother from Gallipoli. Right, and he's, and what was he doing there? He was a, a stretcher bearer. Okay, read us a bit. Uh, dated 27th of the 7th, uh, 2015. Uh, as one of my friends is leaving us to return home today, in brackets, a lucky dog, I'm writing them a few lines. To, I'm writing these few lines to send with him, and hoping that they will escape the censor. He prevents us from sending you any news. We have now been here 13 weeks and everybody is feeling it. All the men are looking haggard and have awfully aged and it's knocking them out terribly. But thank God I'm still feeling fit and strong and have not had one day off since I left. You are getting very tame accounts of the war here and it's a much tougher problem than they anticipated. They are giving you the casualty list very gently. As the day we landed, there were close to 4,000 killed or wounded out of the first division. The poor old first division, they've borne the brunt of it. And those who come after them have no idea of what they've gone through. Sunday, April 25th is a day I'll never forget. The first boat to hit the shore was full of third field ambulance men. They accidentally got ahead of the infantry in the dark. There was eight of them killed and 17 of them wounded out of one boat. After the third brigade landed and charged the cliffs, our ambulance was spurred on in the boats. Only our stretcher bearers, a hundred of us. I can tell you my heart beat rather erratically for the deck of the destroyer that took us close into the shore was strewn with wounded and dying. Poor fellows who had been hit before they reached the shore. At any rate, Providence had a watchful eye over us and we landed without losing a man. Uh, on reaching the, the shore, our work began. The beach was strewn with wounded and dying Australians and Turks. Three of our own fellows were hit before we went a dozen yards. And the sight of our wounded mates put a feeling for revenge into our heads. And into it we went after the infantry. You should have seen the wounded. It is impossible to describe it. Anybody who went through those first three or four days will never forget it. On the first Sunday, I carried ammunition and water. 
from the beach to a part of our firing line all day. And on every return trip, we brought back a wounded man. On the Sunday night, a small party had got in a difficult position. They were cut off by Turkish reinforcements. We were there all day Monday. I was looking after the wounded as they were hit. We had one officer with us, Major Feathers. He was killed, but his gallantry put heart into all of us. On the Monday night, I was able to get back to the survivors. When I got back to our own little crowd, they were all overjoyed to see me, as I'd been reported missing. I immediately rushed in to stop it from being sent home and was just in time. Those first few days are like a huge nightmare to us, but the work our men did was glorious. Carrying men from off the top of the hills under an awful hail of shrapnel, but the thanks and grips of the hands of the dying and wounded would only spur you on to do more. Mm. It was impossible to use a stretcher, and four of us would have to do the job with waterproof sheet. Goodbye, Mother. My friend is ready to go. More news when I get the chance. Wow. Your loving son, Frank. What was his name, Hamish? Frank. Uh, Frank Carr. Frank Carr. Isn't it amazing? And the feel of the hands and the grip of the hands, really, oh, of the dying man. I mean... Gets me every time, Macca. Yeah, I know. I can tell that, Hamish. What do you do for a living, Hamish? Uh, I'm a picture frame, Macca. Right. There you go. Well, one of the great trades. Every picture tells a story, mate. That's great... Yeah, it does. All right, good on you. Nice to share that with us, uh, Hamish. Thank you very much. Thanks for letting me, Macca. Bye-bye. See bye. Great pleasure on the line. I've got Brendan Nelson. Good morning, Brendan. Oh, good morning, Macca. Wonderful to speak to you, mate. Yeah, you too. I, I, well, we've been wondering about you, <laughs> where you are. You just you just disappeared after leading us in lots of ways for, for many years, especially on this day, and then all of a sudden you'd, you'd done a runner. <laughs> Yeah, and mate, well, I've heard you. I listened to the show, of course. I wanted to know what normal people are thinking, and uh, I've heard you ask uh, a couple of times. I wonder where he is now. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm running Boeing in Australia now, at Macca, and uh, wow. across Australia and, and the Pacific. And uh, yeah, so we've about, in fact, about twenty percent of our four thousand employees are uh, veterans themselves. So. It's a privilege to talk to you on Anzac Day, mate. Yeah, um, I was going to mention, we've, I started off this morning at 6 o'clock and then we get a call from Lisa's on the tip of, up at Punsan Bay and the tip of Cape York and they've got a flag and they're yeah. doing a little thing and there's some of the out in a boat here and there's a bloke putting up wind farms in Port Augusta but they're having a little service and all over these. And then our, our cool. little girl Friday Nerid is in the, in the back streets of Summer Hill in Sydney and she'll, she'll never get up for yeah. anything. But um, uh, no, no, I don't want to do that. No, no. I don't want to do that, but yet yeah. the six of them got up, and and the old bloke there's got his clarinet, and it's it almost transcends the big uh, people are doing that well, everywhere, aren't they? Well, yeah, as you know, mate, I, I've had the privilege uh, over seven years to be at the heart of it uh, at the Australian War Memorial, and this year I was asked by the RSL in Mittagong in the Southern Highlands if I'd do the dawn service address, and then. About three weeks ago, they made contact and said, look, it's too hard. The council rules are too strict. We, we're we cancelling it. And so uh, in the Southern Highlands of New South Wales, there, there wasn't a dawn service. So a friend of ours who lost her husband about 18 months ago, she she had a from cut from a piece of steel, a silhouette of a soldier resting on his, his gun, and she's put it on her front lawn on the nature strip. She'd made all these poppies. One of my mates put up an Australian flag, and we held a dawn service there this morning for... We had about 30 people, and uh, as I was driving there at uh, about 5 o'clock in the morning, there's people out at the end of their drives and doing all those things, Macca. <laughs> yeah, I know it, it's what it what brings meaning to the to the whole day, extremely meaningful, and and I had 
the opportunity to speak to those who gathered for our little service. Listen, we've got a, a minute. Um, do you miss us? Mm. <laughs> we miss you. I, well, I, I, I do. It was, uh, it was one of the greatest privileges of my life to lead the memorial. But you need to know when your time's come, and I, I felt it was time for someone else to have the opportunity to do it. But I, 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 I live it and breathe it every day, Macca, and I think of those individual men and women, uh, those individual stories. Uh, you know, we understand the VC stories, but there's there's millions of them uh, behind it, uh, m- not much less heroic. Mm, I'll say. Um, Brendan, we'll have to get together. Where are you based now? Are you based in Sydney or Canberra or Melbourne or...? Yeah, mate. I, I we live in the Southern Highlands, but I work out of uh, Sydney, uh-huh. and uh, I'm well, always. You've got the number. I'm always available to talk to you if there's anything you want to chat about, mate. That'd be great, uh, Brendan. It's lovely to talk to you, mate. I'm sure Australians are very pleased. They're all smiling hearing your voice. Good on you, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Macca. See you. Bye, mate. Bye. G'day. This is Andrew Golodzinowski, Australian High Commissioner in Malaysia. Andrew Golodzinowski, is that right? Sorry. That's it, no, you've got to... <laughs> Kola good on you. Andrew, um, yeah, lovely to talk to you. You're High Commissioner in Malaysia. Uh, tell me what's, uh, well, that's home of Borneo and Sandakan and all those sort of things, isn't it? Ah, uh, yes, you, you've done your, well, you know your stuff. Uh, I was meant to be in Sandakan today, actually. We'd, we'd organised everything. We normally have a very, very moving ceremony on Anzac Day there, as well as on Sandakan Day itself. And we have another ceremony in, in Kota Kinabalu, but because of the COVID situation here, we've had to curtail all that. And instead, I've just come from a small private ceremony uh, at the Commonwealth War Grave here in, um, in KL, along with the New Zealand High Commissioner, the British High Commissioner, the American Ambassador, and uh, some of the other um, Allied Ambassadors, which was no, no worse for being small. Um, you know, every Anzac Day is different. Everyone is special. Exactly, and and of course, this year and last year been much different. In, but in some ways, um, you know, when people have gone to the end of their driveways and just had little ceremonies and stuff, and in some ways that still continues today. Um, it's, it's been happening around Australia with little driveway ceremonies in little streets and stuff mm. like that. Um, uh, no less significant. And it's particularly significant here, Macca, because there is a very special relationship between Malaysia and Australia. Going back to World War Two and the things that happened then, then it continued through the emergency. Uh, you know, seven uh, seven thousand Australians served in the emergency, and until mm. Afghanistan, it was our longest war. A lot of people have forgotten it. And then uh, confrontasi with Indonesia, which uh, again not much talked about, but twenty three Australians gave their lives. Um, and then you know the Butterworth and, and uh, the extraordinary uh, you know involvement of Australian service personnel throughout that period, and, and even now we have um, one of the most important military relationships between Australia and Malaysia. You know we have we have nearly 200 Australian service personnel permanently stationed here, which mm-hmm. is you know just underlines the incredible cooperation that we have. Yeah, so uh, things have been much sort of curtailed, um, like everywhere overseas. I think when we here in Australia look overseas and see, we we'd get routinely get calls from Villas Bretno and Gallipoli and all those sorts of things, and see gatherings, and they just they're just not happening this year. And I, I assume the same thing's happening in London, because and in New York, and you know, I remember we got a call once from the the garden on the Rockefeller Centre, um, which was used once a year for an Anzac ceremony. I'm not sure if that's happening this year, but. 
Um, there I've will been be. There. It's, it's extraordinary. Yeah, it's a fantastic place. Yeah. Now, um, I'm talking to Andrew Golodzinowski, uh, if that's right. Again, um, it is. Andrew, you're the High Commissioner of Malaysia. What's how long have you been uh, there, and and what's that like? Well, just over three years, um, and it's it's fantastic. It's a great honour to be here. It's one of our most important um, high commissions in the world, I think. And 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 as as I said, the relationship is incredibly deep. Um, our oldest police presence overseas is here in in uh, in, in Malaysia. Um, we have about uh, eleven government agencies represented here, and we we have um, very good relations across all the activities of government here. Um, but but somehow the the military relationship and that long history uh, sort of stands above everything. Yeah. Um, tell me this: Is there much discussion um, in your role there with, uh, and because Australia is involved, I suppose, in lots of ways, um, about the disappearance of the airliner? Is it MH370? Is is that still talked about? Yes. What, is that part of the psyche in in Malaysia? It really is. Um, there's a lot of uh, goodwill that was generated because of the way Australia participated in the search and, and our, our deep involvement in that. Um, the fact that it hasn't been successful up till now is, is um, a shame. But um, yes, it is. It, it has now become part of the fabric of the relationship. There's so many bits to it, but that's one of the ones which is. Uh, it, it's a bit like Anzac Day itself. Out of out of uh, tragedy, you sometimes get something very positive, and, and that's true of 370. And what does your tell me about a high commissioner's role? I mean, I, I understand the official roles, but. Um, how do you um, embrace your role? I suppose a role you can do whatever you want. You make a job whatever you want. You can make it as as small or as large in in terms of what the things you do as you want to do. Um, what uh, do you uh, sort of stretch out as you were and and get out in the community and do those sorts of things that maybe a high commissioner um, could or could not do if he wanted to. Absolutely, Maka. Um, the beauty about Malaysia is it's hard to meet a Malaysian that doesn't have some Australian connection. Uh-huh. Um, usually it's education. We're, we're their number one education partner. Everybody wants to send their kids to Australia. Um, sometimes they've got businesses or property in Australia. Um, often it's the military history and those connections. But everybody um, knows Australia and has, a, has some sort of story they can tell. Um, which gives us a huge advantage in terms of you know promoting Australian trade. If you go to the supermarkets here, Macca, um, you can get almost any good Australian product you want is available here, and people will reach for an Australian product, meat or dairy or, or whatever, um, before anything else. So you know we have this huge advantage of recognition and trust, and and uh, and a kind of an easy familiar, familiarity between the two countries. Uh, and. Uh... What's it like uh, to live there? I mean, you've been there for three years, and w- what's a stint uh, as a high commissioner? How long does that usually last? Um, usually between three and four years. So uh-huh. I'm sort of in my home run. Um, it's a great place to live. It's it's a it's a very sophisticated city, KL. It's uh, it's very modern, um, uh, but it's not as crowded as say Jakarta or Manila or even Bangkok. So it's very livable, I think. Um, you know, everybody who comes here enjoys it. So it's one of the most popular postings for Australians overseas, I think. And uh, we hear about COVID overseas, and I just I'm boggled when I see the, some of the difficulties that you know places like India and Brazil and 
well, everywhere really in Europe have, have had and are still having in Japan. How, how is it affecting KL and uh, Malaysia generally? Have you got big problems there? or? Um, Malaysia has done, done very well. Um, the numbers are creeping up now as they are elsewhere. So we're, um, we're now between two and 3,000 new cases a day. Um, but the vaccine rollout has begun. Um, we have a good cooperation between Australia and Malaysia on that as well, which is, which is really good. Um, and the Malaysian people have been very disciplined. So the event I've just come from, Anzac Day, everybody was distanced and masked. And, and that's what you see everywhere in, in the city, everywhere. Everyone wears masks all the time. Mm. Um, so, so I'm pretty confident that they're going to keep it under control as it is now. Um, and let let the vaccines do their job. So I think you know they're, they're very keen to reopen a uh, a travel green travel corridor with Australia. Um, I, I, that's not going to happen immediately, uh, mm. but when it does happen, it's going to be uh, a terrific thing. So many people. Um, one of the old diggers I just saw now, actually, an old Malaysian digger. Um, he lost his wife two weeks ago, and the last thing she said to him is. When can we go see the kids? Just the kids are in Australia. So that's very sad for, for her and for him. Um, but the Malaysians are very keen to come back to Australia when they can. Andrew, uh, lovely to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time and trouble to ring us and uh, let us know what happens over there. Sandakan occupies a really um, pivotal place in Australia's history. Um, it's a terrible story um, and needs to be remembered constantly. But, uh, but thank you for your call this morning, Andrew. Thank you, Mecca. All the best to you. Thank you. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.